Welcome to the Book of Pinal Banter. This is Amberly with Sarah and Kim. Today we are going to be discussing Harrow the Ninth. And if you hear previous information on the author, well, you can go back to Gideon the Ninth episode. But the plot for Harrow is Harrow has not become a full lictor and struggles with the consequences of choices she made, but cannot remember. Meanwhile, she is convinced that she truly is mad as the body continues to appear before her and the lictor she killed continues to move around the space she occupies with God, a.k.a. John, and the other lictors. So, Sarah. How did you feel about this book? How do you think I felt about it? For the listeners, how did you feel about this book? Not great. Not great, not great. Not great. Well, if they listen to the Rosalind Palmer episode, they know that you read it in a day. Sure did. (laughs) I just, you know, I had a free Sunday, which I would have loved to do anything else with, you know, being that we only have a finite number of days in our lives. Um, But the alternative was spreading it out over several hours after work, which is, of course, important recovery time from work so i didn't really want to subject myself to a week of that is amberly gone it froze yep looks like it i can hear you guys can you hear me because she's in my room and that sometimes oh that's right the connection isn't great yeah i can hear you i can hear you now now it's frozen i'm back can you guys hear me now and she's on recording so of course oh 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 she coming back i'm back can you hear me i could hear you guys for like a whole whopping few seconds there and then it like nope she's still glitching i'm here i'm getting any sound anymore I'm here. It worked last week or I'm here. Whenever we did the last recording. I'm here. You should have tested the Ethernet. I got told or two. I didn't have the plug-in thing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Can you guys hear me now? I heard that sentence, but I can't guarantee that I'll hear any other sentences. But you just responded. Okay, those two came in clearly. Your preceding words, if you were saying words, were just broken sounds. Like me yep. saying, "I'm here." Oh, okay. I can hear right. you guys. <laughs> yep, we were talking about you. I know you were saying stuff about the Ethernet. Okay, let's cross our fingers that this continues to not happen. <laughs> Do we want this to continue? <laughs> I was going to say continues to succeed for recording, but like. It's not succeeding. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, Sarah, you were griping about your holes, <laughs> how you split it up. <laughs> I was just describing how I tackled it, which was to just grit my teeth and read through it in one sitting. That's griping. Describing, but you know, <laughs> where's the tomato? tomato. <laughs> works both ways actually i don't think that actually applies to the tomato tomato because tomato tomato is actually the same word i'm implying that griping and sarah explaining how she gritted her teeth is the right, same the thing tomato is the same word it may be the same thing yeah. i don't think the analogy works anyways so sarah yes what do you remember of the story What do I remember? I remember that it was a big steaming bucket of bullshit is what I remember. We start off, of course, with the worst part of this whole book. I don't know. There's so many bad parts. Um, My least favorite part, though, obviously, is the second person perspective, which occurs way too much. Um, like, for a second there, when it switched back to not being second person, I think it went into a third person section. I... I was hopeful, but then I went back to second person. Um, yeah, it was Gideon versus Harrow. Don't give a fuck. I understand the author was doing this little thing, little style, 
wasn't working for me. Not effective. Didn't care. Oh, um, man. I loved it. I did, too. Because I love no. the fact that you got the weird, like, Gideon is, like, disembodied watching Harrow, like, function. And then you have Harrow who has fried her brain and created a false reality in order to... Move the mic away a little bit. Well, it was quiet earlier. Uh, false reality in order to, like, not get Gideon to pair with her. <laughs> Which is definitely how that would work. Um, because we have necromancers in real life, and so, you know, we have a set way that it would work. Just because she doesn't know the soul is there doesn't mean, like, the soul magic isn't still going to be going on behind the scenes. But it doesn't matter because the necromancy does whatever the author needs it to do. Um, as is the case in every book that I know, but this magic is has go ahead. It's just uh, I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I mean, though, you were asking what I remembered, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, what I remember is Harrow just puking and generally being annoying for a lot of it, false <laughs> flashbacks, which were pointless. Except for like, oh, she's haunted. There's the sleeper. I guess that's a mystery that I guess we should care about. But I didn't. I skipped most of those. I didn't skip. Oh, I did skip <laughs> a couple. But I did speed read. Like after the first 63 or 64 pages, I was like, I cannot do this. I just cannot do this. So I did that little speed reading thing you talked about, Amberly, one time, which was like yeah. reading at a diagonal or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I employed that for a lot of this book, to be honest, uh, basically from page 64 until 404. Yeah. Um, the flashback chapters, I may have only looked for keywords like names and dialogue. Anything that was just descriptive got discarded. Um, I didn't really care what was going on there because we already know it's false memories. So like... It's a waste of time, right? And then, um, and then, yeah. So, did you learn who the sleeper was? Yeah, it's the stupid lady, the uh, the rebel body odor, the BOEs, um, the leader person who is also Gideon's mom. That's not who's in the locked tomb. No, no, I said the sleeper. The sleeper. So it Sarah's oh, saying the, the sleeper, sleeper is wake. Yeah, whatever the the really long fucking name. Yeah, wake is is was the shortened name for it. Um it's so it's the the ghost of the woman who dropped Gideon on the ninth. Yeah, it was it was a lot of work just to have that little exposition as to being like, oh, this is who Gideon is. She's actually the daughter of the emperor and this one random bitch who just showed up in this book. Uh, well, I guess she technically showed up in the first book when she was referenced. Um, so, you know, I got that information without having to read like any of the chapters that dealt with the false going back in time. And you know what? I feel no poorer for it. So um you didn't enjoy getting to you know meet all of those characters who were so useless in the first book and like why did we spend so much time for them to never come back what was that sarcasm yes that was sarcasm because you said you were mad that they had all just died but they but they they didn't they came back so so (laughs) they're dead (laughs) I mean, I suppose it was interesting seeing not Dulcinea because I hate her, even her real form. I didn't give a shit about her because I hated her, well, Cytheria so much from the first book. Cytheria? Um, yeah, whatever. Uh, I didn't have the audiobook version. I know, that's, that's why I was clarifying you were you're talking about Cytheria. Ew, is that how they pronounce it? <laughs> Disgusting. Yes, that's not oh god yeah. Yeah. Me, I don't want to read the next book um yeah so there was that stuff going on it only became interesting again when in, again sorry it only became interesting when Gideon like actually came back because I didn't intend to but I actually did read like those last hundred pages without 
much speed reading or skipping. Yeah, I was gonna say from no. from re-listening to the recording for Rosalind, you said that you like skipped most of it, and then you heard read a part that you were actually invested again, and you were like, "God damn it, how dare I feel invested again in this?" And then, like the last time, the ending like pissed you off. <laughs> yes, I was disappointed too because like the whole time I was reading the book, I'm like, I'm just I already had my Goodreads review in my head, like written out, which it was gonna be one sentence. <laughs> it's gonna be just one star because I can't rate it zero and that's basically what my review was gonna be was like I would have rated it zero stars if I could have you know that's what I was set on like the minute I started seeing all this second person garbage and then the rest of the book was just not great it takes her so fucking long to just write one action like there's four pages dedicated to the fact that Harrow, Jesus, I forgot her name for a second there. <laughs> Harrow, like, touches the sword and wants to vomit. Like, can we just move forward with our lives? <laughs> but yeah, the, the Gideon parts, while still being stupid, like, I enjoy having Gideon's... Personality? Narr- yeah, her, uh, her the way she narrates things and her personality was pretty good. Um, so... You know, I had to give her props there, but I didn't particularly want to. Okay. So now, Kim, what did you think? I liked this one better than the first one. Okay. Um, I liked the the fact that we were getting the exact same story from two perspectives. And 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 I, I thought it was a a daring writing choice because you're not you don't have many i don't know if you have any authors who have ever tried to write a character that is inside of another character seeing and doing the exact same thing but not having any agency in that um so i liked that it did take a long time i think this author is very verbose and um really likes I, for lack of a better phrase, the sound of her own voice. She likes she likes her own writing, um, which is fine. You, you know, the the writer's got to get as much pleasure out of writing as as the reader gets out of reading. Um, but I would agree that that it, she, we didn't have to have it beat over our heads, and it was a little beat over our heads as far as that Harrow was in a really weird place. Um, and has apparently been in a really weird place her entire life. She's insane. Um, or not. Or yes, or no. I don't know. Um, I blew through this book because I had to listen to it on, because I just didn't have the time. I, I'm really busy where I'm at right now. And, um, so I listened to it on, you speed, you, you sped read it, you diagonal read it. I listened to it on two time, um, Never went up to two and a half because the the narrator in this book has a high pitch voice, and when you go when you go two and a half times with a high pitch voice, it just sounds like squirrels um, <laughs> or chipmunks, whatever. Um, oh, see, I read it at three times speed with the book open and did not notice her feeling sounding squirrely. You are insane. Um, Listen, if I do insane. it any if I do it any slower, it doesn't keep up with my eyes. <laughs> But so a lot of it, I really didn't absorb, but I I noticed because you guys have me moving through books so fast, I don't absorb them a lot anyway. So um, there's only some bandwidth that my poor brain I feel has. like you can get the gist of this book pretty easily without having to absorb a whole ton of it. That's the yes, thing. I agree. You could read the beginning, you could read the end. We didn't have to go through. I was massively confused in the beginning and I'll, I'll tell you I cheated I went online and I looked up wiki and I'm like what is the fucking plot of this book and once I once I understood what the plot of the book was oh okay okay I can do this I can go forward I can read it and I did and it was it was well read it listen to it the big debate um is it really reading if you're listening um yes it's really reading it is I know, absorbing I know, I know. a story I knew that would make you twitch. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I again, we got these writers that are prolific right now that just too much. They're not being edited down. Um, 
we didn't have to engage in herald vomiting every other page. Um, that was that was. So I don't mind it. I want to clarify, and that's because a lot of the time, and it's actually what I enjoy. This author chooses really gritty, morose language, mm-hmm. and I think that spending that much time on those little things emphasizes the grotesqueness that is actually part of this story and i don't know that paring it down reducing it down other than obviously sarah maybe wouldn't hate it as much i don't think it would Mm. have the same effect and i suspect there's a lot more going on in those moments than what happens in the initial read-through and mostly because in the initial read-through you are trying to figure out where the plot's going is Harrow and Sage? itself is actually quite straight. Like it's it's pretty basic. If you cut out all the extra stuff, all this extra text that she's shoved in there, and like the timey wine, well not timey wimey, but you know the flashbacks and stuff. If you just kind of, I agree with that, except for the fact so that she's giving you basic. hints. It's like watching a TV show where they'll they'll pan to the 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 gun on the on the on mantle, the you know, yeah. on the mantle, and oh, when's that going to come into it? So it's it's stuff like that. Um, do I think it's a necessity? I don't think it's a necessity. I think it's a, a it's it's frivolous. But I think, and and you said it, first time read. Um, I I think this is something that the people who love it, it's it's because they went back to it. I I don't know that anybody massively fell in love with this book just on Gideon or just on Harrow meaning the Gideon the Ninth, Tarot the Ninth, these the two books. I think they've read them and realized that if they go back and read them again, they're gonna get they're gonna see all the little hints, all of the little hints. And then you read it again and oh wait a minute, there were even more little hints. Um so I think that's the the people that are fanatical about these books. I think that's why they're fanatical about these books. Because there are fanatics for these books. So Yeah. And and I don't know. For me, like because obviously I read the first one before we had done any of the recordings. And I loved Gideon. I loved the fact that Gideon was not like feminine. You know, normally when you have a mystery or a main character and she's female and she's a sword, she's badass, but you know, she's also for lack of a better way, just fluttery. You know, she has the ability to become the princess at any point. And I kind of love the fact that neither Harrow or Gideon ever come off as, like, glossy. Except for Harrow can't lift a sword to save her life. <laughs> I, well, but that's the thing, is, is you know, she doesn't magically have the ability to lift this sword. Everyone's like, you should be able to do it because you're a lictor now. And Gideon's like, God damn, she can't even bother to do a freaking sit-up. <laughs> I did like that portion. And so when, when Gideon was shitting on her for not working out in the meantime. Yeah. And it's like, oh, let's recognize that this thin necromancer is not just going to suddenly have the muscle capacity to lift a double-handed sword, which is very different than a rapier. Mm-hmm. The reason necromancers have been able to pick up their cavalier's abilities is because they're using a thin-ass rapier. Rapiers are not... It's, if I'm if I'm visualizing it correct, it's like like a, a fencing sword. So go to think about Wednesday. Yeah, it's and a fencing sword. Fencing that's that's a rapier. Yeah, yes. so it, it doesn't require muscle mass to pick it up. So we finally actually have this character who, instead of just magically being able to do it, can't because mm-hmm. it's not designed for her to be able to just magically do it. Which is probably why they make all the cavaliers use rapiers. It's because eventually they'll be opted up to Lictorhood, and if they manage to get it, the weapon they are going to learn to use to protect themselves needs to be freaking thin ass. <laughs> yep. So, um, I don't know. I, I love Gideon. I love Harrow. I didn't mind the grotesqueness. In fact, I was like, this feels even more Harrow than it does Gideon. That Harrow would be sitting there thinking about or, you know, going through every time she throws up and stuff. She's so bodily focused in her abilities that it just makes sense to me that that would be, like, 
described and obsessed over and assessed and and you know she would be constantly just kind of monitoring her body and what it's doing and what it's not doing on top of that she kind of fucked with her brain and 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 instead of it just being oh yeah i just magically lift my brain and you know i can function like a normal human being she is failing horribly because she essentially gave herself a lobotomy so like i would even bet that all of the descriptions of everything that she has fits what is known reactions to lobotomies so and it, it does mess with your you know you know it messes it messes with your emotions and it messes with your body some people who've had lobotomies never they have to be retaught to eat so it kind of made sense at least to me it it made sense why harold would have this awful time because she fucked with her own brain yeah no i found i found the story interesting i i know sarah didn't i know a little bit but (laughs) i thought it was interesting so yeah and then i i honestly as i was reading it because i I had started reading it at one point and then i stopped reading it because we had picked it and the first time I had started reading it, I was like, this you thing, it is very disconcerting and confusing. Because it's not like you're getting two chapters in and it's like, oh, it's Gideon. It takes it about a third to a halfway through the book where finally, I remember, because there was some line that was said, and I went, Gideon! I actually shouted it out loud. I was so excited to realize that this entire time, it's been Gideon telling us about Harrow. Um... And that, you know, and I was like, why, why is it Magnus? And why is it Abigail? And I'm like, I think it's because these are characters that Harrow never really interacted with Gideon with them present. I'm like, so she must have done this as a means in order to, like, not remember Gideon. Because clearly she was not remembering Gideon for some reason. And sure enough, except I wasn't expecting them to then turn around and be, like, their actual ghosts. Uh, And I was like, oh, it's actually them. I'm like, because I'm like, wow, get, you know, Harrow is creating impressive mental delusions on people that she really didn't interact with, even though Gideon did. And that's because it was them. <laughs> and I'm hoping since Palamides. Palamides. Palamides, since he wasn't in their bubble, I'm hoping he actually comes back as well. Um, That we're going to get more of him. I'm sure Sarah does not care at this point, even though she really liked that character in the first book really liked his strong but i did like him in that book um this book he was like there for two seconds um and didn't do anything so i was like eh, it was interesting to see him glad to see he's still hanging out in his little bubble but uh, say he explained the bubble construct wow so that we could then go into the whole useless bubble that was you know i just didn't i like i hate the sleeper plot line i think it's stupid and so, like, all this gymnastics to explain how that works could have saved me hours of time if I didn't have to read it, even though I just skimmed it. Still would have saved me time, you know? Well, you can skim the next one, too. I sure will. Just a second, guys. Somebody order food? Yep. That time, Martin's home. Yeah. Okay. So Sarah doesn't care. Sarah doesn't care. I liked um how much I hated those freaking lictors. They were oh my god, Man. they were shits. They were awful human beings. And then you get to the end and it's like he the the god John. <laughs> I love that God's name is John. John uh he's like, wait a minute how did you get pregnant and they're like well you know we kind of just got you drunk and just kind of took some and he's just like all indignant how could you do this to god like but at that point but at that point i'm like going he's not really god he's just a man that they've given this this moniker to then he dies and then he comes back okay yeah he's actually god well, what, what I love in all of that is is they're all sitting there going, you do remember the threesome we had, like, days ago, and the Im- implication at the time that it was happening was very much that it had happened before. Uh-huh. Because it was, and it wasn't like a, we really want to do this thing. It was more like a Augustine and Mercy were like, we got to do the thing again. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 yeah. Mercy's like, this doesn't mean I like you. No, she's like, that's fair. I don't like you, but we got to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, I think she doth protest too much, but yeah, yeah, doesn't matter anymore. <sighs> in theory, <laughs> in theory, exactly. Except for nobody dies in this because they're necromancers. That's the one thing I don't like. I I'm not. But you were mad that thing. they all died in the last one. <laughs> I know. I'm not into the necromancer thing. It's, it, yeah. It's. Uh, and then they came back as ghosts anyway, so technically yeah. they didn't die. I know, well, but like, did, like you guys' but... big complaint was that they died. Well, just that we were wasting so much time with characters that were just going to die. But they, yeah. they didn't just die. But now you guys are mad because I mean, they aren't just dying. Well, somebody should have died. There needs to be some agency. Well, I but mean, the, anyway. the some of them, I mean, I think the implication with this is some of them are now gone yeah that's um, the implication yeah with with the river that once they cross the river they're actually gone gone so those who haven't completely crossed the river have potential to come back again um so i don't think we're going to see the four i don't think we're going to see abigail or magnus again i could be mistaken but i think i think they'll be gone gone now um and the four being the the four from house four because they realized that was kind of weird and then i think the group that went to go help Gideon the first is gone, gone. So Ortis, um, Dulcinea's Cavalier. Pro something. Yeah. And one other one. Matthias the ghost. That they sound. Oh, yes, yes. Matthias the ghost. I was like, I was like, who was the third Cavalier that went? Because it wasn't one of the ones from the house, but it was... Yeah, it was the the really old cavalier. Um, so I think they're I gone. Say, gone. I love that his his storytelling thing. I I don't, I'm not even sure the concept how it developed out, but the fact that he was so excited about the fact that his story had lived on and and yeah, and the the two got to meet. And, and I'm not explaining that well, so Amber explain that because I, I yeah. So I I did love that. I loved the fact that. They managed to summon, like, the knight's best cavalier, but the only means that they had to actually connect it was through Ortis's poetry. <laughs> and meanwhile, this guy shows up and he's like, why am I talking like this? Yeah, yeah I like that. <laughs> and Harrow's like, could we please not make this play out for the next 20 pages just because... I love those references because I was like... Is the author being intentionally self-aware about the fact that it takes her eight pages to get anywhere? And then I she's think like, so, yeah. I think yeah. so, yes. I think yes. so. I I, I, I think like, I, I honestly don't know. So I'm not sure no, if she's I, or like just I will say unequivocally this writer is a very good writer. And it's hard to do. Oh, stop it. She's a very good writer. It's hard to do high concept stories and this is a high concept story this is the one where you sit there and you think oh my god this was this would be the greatest story ever and, and it feels and it, so underdeveloped like i just feel like it's super shoddy how many, how many it's all just like developed and too, too detailed at the same time it's not deep well she gets really nitty-gritty. She relies on creating this atmosphere that's dark and gritty and gruesome, right? But then if you peel that away, the bones of the story, there's nine planets around the sun that were resurrected or something, right? We don't really yeah. know much about these planets because we don't, we interact like one person from each planet. We don't uh, really see. They they are resurrected because the implication is that they knew that when God died, so when John died, it would annihilate the sun, which is what he's connected to, and take out all nine planets, and yeah. then they wouldn't have a time to evacuate the people. And there was a discussion at one point that these planets had died, and whatever he did actually resurrected them and the people on it. Yes, that's what we know. But we don't have, there's no stakes here, because we don't know anything else about these planets, really, other than maybe, like, how, like, the sixth is, like, knowledge and stuff like that. Like, they're very basic traits. We don't see people. We don't see their culture. We don't see their government. We don't really have anything about these planets. Well, I think we're supposed to extrapolate their culture from their representatives. All we know is that everything, ever like the necromancy, it's all it ever boils down to. So it's really except bland. I don't think I think we're getting there because the epilogue is set on one of the planets, She's isn't not. it? 
take three 500 page books for us to finally understand why we should care about the sun turning into a black hole and destroying all these planets that like the ninth house is basically dead that's when we've seen the most of or the first which is also dead because no one lives there except for the caretaker things and the skeletons and it's like those are the only living planets that we've seen and they're empty basically yeah but like i mean if we were to take this and look at it in terms of like politicians and stuff they're not walking around every day they wouldn't like the world that they exist in versus the world is very different it's just, this, yeah I, I and so that, but this is so divorced from that that it's like it's just basically it feels like a story with like 12 people in it and like the stakes they just don't have the right weight to them it doesn't think they're supposed to So then why do we even care what's happening in the story? Like, I don't fucking care if the emperor dies and Dominicus or whatever turns into a black hole. Because And then all these planets that apparently have people on them will die. And it's like, who cares? We don't know anything about what's going on there. They might not even be good people. Who knows? We don't know. There's also some insurgents somewhere who are based off of some other planets, presumably. So I, Fighting I think, these people. I think... There's big armies that are fighting each other that we never get in any, like detail as to what's going on there it's all stuff in the background and i'm just saying that it's not presented in a way that we would care about any book that's written and, and i would take this to be more of a fantasy type of a, a development rather than a science fiction type of a development but i i think when you have any of these they always take they being writers always take the big politics and take it down to just the characters i mean if you look at say the witcher there's big politics in The Witcher that go on for decades, but we're only hearing The Witcher's story and his interaction with those politics. And that's how these types of stories are written because you can't, you have very few foundation series books where, where they're addressing planets and the people on planets. And, and I mean, that's just like an impossible right. And that's the thing about the foundation. That foundation I, series is it's an impossible right but it was it was written and and i would argue that the one other series that i know that does this sort of thing sarah stopped reading because she hates how it was being written so oh red red <laughs> the red rising series yeah. yeah well again i just feel like the author in that book was again going for the really heavy gritty gruesomeness and trying to like kind of emulate game of thrones with how shockingly evil and terrible everything was that I just like didn't like, and again, this is true for Gideon the Ninth as well. Everything is objectively or just seems horrible where they live. There's nothing redeeming about this universe that they exist in. I like don't even want to participate as like an observer in this story. It's just, it's fair. This is not my cup of tea. It's not. Yeah, no, that's cool. It's fair. Yeah, uh, and and. And, and that's where, you know, people aren't going to like it. Some people don't like Foundation. Some people don't like Game of Thrones. It's, there's a lot of people who went, oh, what's the big deal with Game of Thrones? And went into the show and just went, what the fuck? And it's like, oh, if you thought that was bad, don't read the book. Good God, you're not <laughs> yeah. even close. Game of Th Did you read Game of Thrones? I, I read Game of Thrones. As far as they've yeah. been written. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, as far as they'll ever but, be written, most likely. Yeah, <laughs> he might get there before he dies. Um, but you know, it's, it's a preference. I like darker stories. I like the description. It's like going back to, uh, what's what, what's Amber's book choice and going into the city and, and, and oh, the poppy wars, those, the poppy wars and hearing about how all of those people were just destroyed in that city. Um, I like those kind of stories. So I don't mind the grittiness and could I have less vomiting? Yes, I'm not big on vomiting. Um, just because, you know, it's it's disgusting. Um, and I'll say, I don't I don't think in the moment when John dies, we're supposed to be like, oh my God, what about the planets? It is almost a, I, I was like, okay, well, John's dead, shit. Um, but is that really the focus of this? And so I was kind of like, okay, the planets might die. But like and that's the facts. Universes die. Yeah. And so and I was like, I don't know that trying to save those planets was the purpose. 
And I don't think that even with John coming back, I don't think the concern was the plant planet saving. Plus, they kind of implied that like these guys are running around killing planets too. Mm-hmm. I just like I don't think it's like we've got to save the populace. I think they are playing some weird long game in terms of John and the in the original lictors, so not necessarily Harrow or Gideon or their grouping. I don't think they're the good guys. No, I don't I, no, think necessarily that the ninth houses guys. are the good guys. And I suspect as we read the next one and possibly into the fourth one after that, we're going to discover this is about a society changing who they are. And shedding away from the people who forced them to be what they are. As I say, stepping away from from your religion is a, a massive story to tell because or stepping away from the religion that that's forced on you yeah yeah so anyway you don't have to like it sir we're not we're not asking you to we're just asking you to read it (laughs) and it's kind of fun when you don't like it because then we get to argue things even if you're like i just don't and it's fine you you don't have to um i am sure there are plenty of people who cannot figure out why in the world this book these books are as popular as they are um particularly on social media because they are people dress up as the characters like it has a fan base um however i am surprised that you haven't commented what did you think about the fact that harrow is pretty much like kind of asexual i didn't care okay well i just that's fair. I, I was just kind of wondering. I was like, oh, I was kind of impressed by the fact that we have this, what's supposed to be, what, a 17, 18-year-old girl, and she's never kissed anyone. And I was like, oh, thank God. We don't have to hypersexualize someone just because they're 18 and assume they've done everything. Oh, well, except for everybody around her is trying to hypersexualize her. Um, I know, but I, I appreciated the fact was, that yeah. it was just like, I don't want to. I'm like, thank you. I'm glad we can have representation where these young girls, these young women can say... Who was she going to kiss? If she didn't want to kiss Gideon, her options were skeletons and really old people, so... Yes, but like... I actually like that Ianthe was was like trying to get there and and Gideon is finally like... Oh, that's true, there was Ianthe. Yeah, Gideon's finally like, dude, you don't have a chance. You're just like... It's... You're not dead. You're and, not I lo- and you're not locked in that tomb. That is the only one. And I, I loved the fact that Ianthe was, well, technically my arm is dead. She might be into that. <laughs> and Gideon's like, no, she was into making it, not playing with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess I was just distracted by how obsessed Tara was with the body in the tomb. So, like, anything else? about her preferences was just like washed away by the whole necrophilia I, angle. I, I love the fact that she's been obsessed with this this body in the tomb and it is essentially like Gideon's third parent. Because <laughs> Gideon has the, the body's eyes. Those aren't John's eyes. They're they're their um annabelle lee's i love also the fact that they kept referring to electo as annabelle lee um but that's just because i love poe and annabelle lee is one of my favorite poems (laughs) so i love this weird idea that while john is her father that harrow might have some confusion over her interest in things because She's obsessed with the body, and then she thought Gideon the ghost was the body. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you guys are just kind of nodding your head. Well, mom's nodding. No, your head. I mean, it's, nodding your it's, head. it's there is a clear connection between Gideon and Harrow. Um, it was set up from the beginning, and it's 
going to play out by the end. So we'll see how it all plays out. Um, so do you guys and- think that Harrow returned to her body? Or do you think she returned to Electo's body? I don't think she returned to her body. Wait, do you mean Harrow's body or like... Or the there body, was body in the, that or the was, body she was, was obsessed well, with. There was a body created at the end. Oh, was there one created at the end? What? There, oh, maybe I misinterpreted again. I, you know, don't understand these things like you guys. I thought Hera like locked herself in a bubble. To be honest, that was like a replica of the tomb. But maybe she went back to the tomb. There was some vague thing about. <sighs> I don't even know how to even find Just it second it would have been at the very end i know i'm i'm well, getting not there. the very very end because the last chapter is some other bullshit character we're gonna have to deal with it is not some other bullshit character it is either gideon or it's harrow have you guessed who i am it's either gideon or it's harrow okay so it says the ice let's see here something rustled at her side she could not she had not seen it when she climbed in. It had been tucked to one side of the coffin, and she being Harrow. When she reached out to hold it in front of her face, she found a shiny mass of magazine flimsy. The crumpled front page showed a woman in a cohort uniform that was was so far from official it did not merely strain credulity, but snapped it in piece to pieces. A white jacket, at least three sizes too small, boots, and nothing else. The ice felt kind and warm. The stone gave as though it were cotton. Harrow lay where the body had lain, perfectly at her ease, perfectly comfortable, and she peered literally at the header. Frontline titties of the fifth, she read, and found she was smiling helplessly to herself. She murmured, Nav, you ass, that's not even a real republication. Then there was a huge side-to-side rocking in the manner of an explosion or a cradle. Her eyes closed, lying in the tomb that had claimed her heart. Far away in a land she had never traveled, Harrowheart Nonogenismus fell asleep or dropped dead or both. So I don't think she's in her body. I'm wondering if she's in Electo's body. Yeah. So, Electo is the body in the tomb, isn't she? Yes, yes, that's 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 Electo so or Annabelle Lee. So it referenced Harrow being there in a land she'd never been before. She's yeah. been to the tomb. True, and that's why I said, but but it, it said some explosion, so it makes me wonder if someone managed to go and retrieve the body. Hmm, maybe. Because there was clearly an implication that... But then that... also there's the flimsy that doesn't exist. Well, I think it's because she's she's settling into the mind con- construct within the body. Kind of how the sleeper had been in the encased in the tomb in her bubble. I think like she was in a mental bubble. But I think she isn't I don't think she returned to her body upon the bubble pop you know, that all of that in the bubble. No, yeah, I, I don't think, think she, she's in her own body. So I that think she probably killed Gideon. Yeah. I think she's in Electo's body. Possibly another body, but I think she's in Electo's body, and I think Electo's body has been taken. Yeah, I don't know. I just assumed she was in a bubble. Um, no, because I think the last cha- isn't the epilogue about her, or is that about? No, that's about some random character we haven't seen before. No, it's probably says- Nona. Nona the Ninth. I don't know, because it's just like about some cityscape, right, that they're in with some yeah. people. That wouldn't match up with Gideon or no, uh, not Nona. Fuck. Harrow. Why is her name so fucking hard to remember? Oh yeah, because her name was barely used in this book, because it's all you. <laughs> um, so I assume, like I said, it's some other third bullshit primary character being thrown into the mix. <sighs> Oh, see, I totally, and maybe that was just my interpretation, because it says, because the last lines of the story are, and she said, she would say idly, more as a prayer than demand. Have you worked out who I am? Not yet, said Camilla. Yeah, that's right, she's Camilla. 
yeah so, she's with to be honest i read through that part really fast because i was like i just want to be done i just want to be done oh okay <laughs> see i figured it meant that it's it's wherever harrow had settled but harrow doesn't remember she's harrow hmm. and so she's not in her body so camilla wouldn't recognize her because she's not in her body Yeah, I don't really know. Or, again, care. I have to emphasize I don't care. I do well, believe I this author just tries to make things more complicated to see more in-depth, or to give it more depth. How do we get Gideon back? Well, Gideon's in Harrow's body. And who knows what happened to Gideon's body? I don't want her to be in Harrow's body. I, I bet you eventually she's, they're going to swap bodies back again. I think Harold will eventually get back to her body, and I think Gideon will end up in Electo's body. With how much emphasis was spent on Gideon looking similar to Electo's body in terms of, like, eye color and stuff. So I'm wondering if it's just a matter of, like, actually getting everyone back into their proper bodies. Because, yeah, I was like, man, it would be so weird for Harrow to then fall in love with Gideon in Harrow's body. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, okay. Well, were there any other thoughts you guys had? Anything else you wanted to discuss about it? Or did you guys want to get into the ratings? Um. So, I do want to mention another thing that this book has going against it is the fact that it tries, how do I want to describe this? It create it tries to create like a whole underworld sort of of its own with like the river. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And I just, whenever books do this, they just, I don't know, it always seems so underwhelming and unimaginative with how they depict the underworld um see i kind of liked it because i actually got the implication from it that it's an actual place in space that is drawing the energy that is ghosts to it so i liked the fact that it wasn't like some like obscure spiritual mental establishment but was actually a physical place that was having ramifications from the ghosts being there because it talks about how trapped the ghosts are in the river, but they actually do submerge in the river in order to get somewhere. Um, so I actually really liked this as a way to do that because it kind of made it a physical space and very much made it the idea that energy, any energy, has to go somewhere. Which is yeah, a, a law of physics. That. Oh, you didn't, like, as in you didn't interpret it that way, or? Well, how did I interpret it? The river. At first, they made it seem like it was, because they can pull themselves into it, the lictors and John, from wherever they're at. So it's not like a physical location. Um, it's more of, like, a different dimension or whatever. And so they enter it to cross through to a different side of the universe very quickly and just I don't know and I guess and I think the author does try to argue this that it's like it's not really a river it's just how they experience it um yeah. to their human senses with the bodies and the water but it just I don't know and I was fine with it up until the end which is where things just got really stupid for me when um Augustine pulls everyone very quickly into the river, like down to the Balthazar or whatever yeah, the right. bottom layer was. Yeah, whatever they they the bottom. And suddenly, what... like this whole thing that's not really a place suddenly became very physical because there was a bottom to the river. There were rocks where like the ship was like getting wedged into so that it didn't get pulled into the asshole at the bottom of the river, which for some reason was lined with human teeth giant human teeth with a bunch of tongues i just i think it was that part 
<laughs> the toothy asshole part where I was just like, what, what, what in the fuck? So it's just so human and stupid and ridiculous. So uh, when I was reading it, the way I was perceiving that section is the way Harrow was perceiving it was the only way that her brain could comp- comprehend it. Um, which means that she, the thing she knows best is bodies, and that's why it appeared the way it did to her. Um, and it made me think of, there's an episode in Cosmos where Neil deGrasse Tyson is talking about travel. And the idea that you, when you get past traveling the speed of light, or currently they don't believe that we have the ability to actually perceive that process like 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 our our bodies and our minds aren't equipped to actually comprehend what then is happening and so there's the the horizon as they call it and so i envision this that this was that that kind of situation is that the river is this horizon so they have to reach this speed they have to reach this point to travel in space um because they did have to approach it before they submerged because they did submerge slowly into it at the very beginning and then i just assumed they were hovering near it most of the time when they exited out of it and kept re-submerging into it and i think the idea was that the the brain isn't actually equipped to handle this this energy but because they're lictors and they've trained with their theorems and they've now surpassed normal humanity in a essence um, in terms of the healing and stuff, they've set their bodies up to be able to handle it. And for the most part, their minds handle it. However, at the very beginning, the first time they submerge, God does warn them they may not survive because they may not be able to handle the mental submerging. He, in fact, didn't think Harold was going to be able to handle it. They suspected Harold was going to die because she didn't have a second soul to sustain her body as her mind was being overwhelmed by the river. Um, so that's how I perceived it, is everything that was happening there at the end was just the mind trying to understand what was going on on a metaphysical level for something that in normal society, normal humanity would not be able to understand if they were to interact with it, that it would just consume them. Um, kind of like a, not like a black hole, because they do mention black holes is different in this, but like, you know, just like beyond comprehension. <laughs> so... That was my interpretation. I, I love the look on Sarah's face. She's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. You mean that look where it's like, that is complete bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> it's just my face, you guys. Uh-huh. Your, yeah. your face is extra disgruntled today at having to discuss this. We know you well enough to know when it's indifferent versus disgruntled. And you do have a hint of disgruntled going on. There was a slight roll of the eye when she got to the end of that big, long... Um... Feel on... <laughs> science that i don't understand because i am not a scientist but like so you would perceive teeth and chewing and yeah just like harrow did me no yeah i you don't understand never mind oh i to tell a joke and you whoa uh, sorry it. i'm tired and trying to figure out what i'm gonna eat considering how late it's getting <laughs> <laughs> well we could be done let's do the numbers Oh, well, that's where we were working too. Sarah just had one more thing she wanted to discuss and we were discussing it and I was defending it because Sarah didn't oh. like it. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So I I, that's one way to interpret it. Um, <laughs> I do want to say that this book is either the second or the third. I'm not quite sure which. And I was kind of disappointed by it. But it's the second or third book that's actually utilized like one of my favorite words. And so when I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh no, it's in this book. What word? I want to know. <laughs> ah, so the word is oleaginous. I really like that word. Um, Define it. What? What is it? Define it. Yeah. It's like greasy, oily. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's just... It was on page 104 for reference in the hardcover. Um, yeah, I saw it. I was like, it's just, I really like that word and no one ever, ever uses it. They just say greasy or oily instead, but. She uses a good selection of, of unique words. I, I, yeah, at first, so. the first book, I was like, this is annoying as fuck. Stop doing this. Just makes you seem pretentious. Um, but she's she's got a vast vocabulary. 
whether we find it pretentious or not it's it, it yeah oh man At first i thought it was just uh you know look up the thesaurus and find another you know but no she clearly she clearly knows her words so i i have to share i have a quote I know we haven't really been doing quotes, but like as soon as I, I, I saw this, I like noted the page and everything. So I'm going to share it before we do our, our ratings. <laughs> the woman I was pretty sure was actually my mother wearing the body of a woman I had had a crush on who is in who in turn had been wearing the identity of a woman she'd murdered until I fell on a spike so that my boss could kill her, cranked her head around in her bonds. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. That silent time sums up the mind fuckery that is this whole necromancy body lictorhood thing. Yep. <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad that Gideon is aware of it. So yeah. I was like, that was the most perfect Gideon line out of this entire thing, is Gideon would take a moment to notice all of that. <laughs> okay, so let me get the Excel open. Alrighty. So we'll start with Kim this time. Ooh, go to Kim. Go to Kim. There we go. All right, Kim. Theme or plot? What would you rate it? I gave it a four. Four. Okay. Characters? Five again. Five. Satisfying ending? 4.5. 4.5. You've increased it since last time. Mm -hmm. And then she good mechanics. Like What's that? What Sarah said it's because you like this one better. I did. I did. And then, so good mechanics, I gave it a four. Okay. And unpredictable. I gave it a four. A four. Okay. So that puts your total at 21.5. And so far you have rated the Locked Tomb series, 40.75. So now I gotta move over to this sheet. We on Harrow the Ninth. This is Kim, and it's 21.5. If I got that correct. I did. Okay. Sarah. Theme or plot? One. Characters. Two. Satisfying. You're just rating it lower because I rated it higher. No, no. Look, Satisfying. characters is getting two because of Matthias. The Emperor was kind of funny at times, and Gideon reappeared for a short period of time. <laughs> she was in the entire book. Mm, but she wasn't speaking like herself, if that was her. Satisfying ending. So what exactly are we considering the ending here? Like that very last chapter where it's talking about mystery person you want in a city. Whatever you feel is the ending for the plot of this portion of the story. I mean, like it was extremely satisfying in the sense that I had finished it and I didn't have to continue reading that day. But as a story itself, I don't really know. Did I find it satisfying? I found it stupid. Um, I don't, I really don't know. Are you neutral, negative? I mean, I'm negative about everything, about Facebook and a lot of other things. Um, okay, last time you gave it a one. Was it better than the ending of the last book or oh. worse? Or the same? I actually took notes in my green notebook, so I filled out that one instead of actually having numbers planned. Um, I don't know. I, said I don't know. I don't know. Okay, what about Some good mechanics? Zero. I had that one right from the start. I had decided on. Unpredictable. I, know, I thought it was pretty predictable. Um, two. Two. All right. So so far, it has a whole whopping five points from you. Oh, I thought it's sixteen, but I realized that's the whole total. Yeah. <laughs> so ending. Hmm. 
They don't want to give it more points than the one before. Because so, in retrospect, Gideon the Ninth was much better than this. So one? He... Yeah, I guess we'll go with one. Okay. Man, that felt like pulling teeth. <laughs> so your whole whopping total for Harrow the Ninth is six. <laughs> I think Kim's going to get this book. Kim's going to get vengeful, I think, for the Golden Enclaves. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely not. Um, okay, so you gave this a six. Okay, and then for mine, I love the Themer plot, so I'm giving it a 4.5. Oh, characters... I didn't know we did decimals. What? Wait, yes, I did. We did decimals before. We yes. I did decimals. I give the characters a five. I loved all the characters. I loved seeing the other characters. I liked meeting the new lictors. Um, I thought Ianthe was hilarious throughout this entire entire thing. Um, I did like Ianthe more in this book than the previous book. I suppose very much in the first one. Yeah. So, uh, I was very satisfied with the ending. So I gave it a five. Five for the mechanics, and I loved how weird and unpredictable it was. So, five, it, like, it did what I wanted it to do in terms of predictability, but it still managed to, like, throw in twists. Um, so I am countering your six with a 24.5. And I will probably be reading this again. Okay, so now I gotta do the mathy things. Equals sum. Oh. Formulas. Auto sum. Sum. Like 52? Yes. Listen, my brain has to have a chance to put in the computations and then in my data. And I'm going to sort. Okay. All right. So the current standing is Deadly Education has the highest points. It's the top-rated book so far with 69 points. Then comes the last... <laughs> Were you appreciating that number, Sarah, by the look on your face? Yep, I'll do it every time. I know. Um, the last graduate comes in at 58.5. Gideon the Ninth comes in at 53.25. The Poppy Wars is hanging out at 53 points. And Harrow the Ninth has 52 <laughs> so even with sarah's low numbers gideon is still in the third place and harrow is only a little further behind behind the poppy wars but we do still have four more books so this definitely could change and we will see how the rest of them do four more books we have oh yeah dragon yeah. republic and then the three of and then they the, 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 the end book for the trilogies for each of these. Um, so, yeah. And then in terms of. Yeah. So that's that's that so far. I don't know. I, I think. Well, having not read the Dragon Republic yet, I don't know how that's going to change everyone's feelings on that series. Um, I think. I mean, no if it's written in first or third person, I'll love it. Just by out of principle. Um, Sarah. I don't know what I was going to say, Sarah. <laughs> Apologies. Shouldn't have interrupted you. It's okay. So, yeah. So, we will be... Well, our next episode is actually going to be The Deep which is our rapid reads, but otherwise we will be coming back with our trilogy war with the Dragon Republic, which is the second book in the Poppy Wars. So, any other final thoughts, statements, one last complaint from Sarah about this book before she gets to put it to rest and never think about it again until she has to read Nona? Although that doesn't mean she's going to think about this one. I'm not. I can finally <laughs> throw this in the garbage. I mean, my, you know, memory... Of it, not the book Memory's itself. It's a library book. Oh, I do want to say, yes. Another thing that helped me read through this faster is that I had the library, library copy right, hardcover, 
smelled really good. Like, <laughs> I didn't enjoy the part, what I was reading, but like the act of reading, like the pages and the scent of them, it was like, it helped keep me going. So what I'm hearing is there should have been another category in all of our ratings and we should have factored in book smell. And that might yeah, that might have helped my book slightly. How would that work? What do you mean? If y'all do audiobooks, I am very curious. <laughs> I and can you, smell it. And you don't know. You smell your e-reader. It's going to be the same reading every time. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Kim has the secret power of when she hears things, they produce smells. Synesthesia. Yeah. And so, you know, or it could have been just like the bonus Sarah factor in order to like, like decrease her favoritism towards her own series. I say very jokingly, jokingly. <laughs> uh, All right. So All right. on that note, our intro and outro music is by Grant Newman and is called The Battle of the Nile from Epidemic Sound. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Bookpile Banter on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you on any of our social media platforms, such as Instagram or TikTok. You can find us at book underscore pile underscore banter. You can also support us on bookshop.org. Our link is available via our social media. You can email us at bookpilebanter at gmail.com. And if you want to complain about Sarah's opinion, I will forward those on to her and she will ignore them. <laughs> and Happily. otherwise, we would love to hear from Happily. you. Leafly, I know, I know. That was recording, right? Yeah, it still is. Okay, good. Well, it's just because we had those interruptions, like it had stopped recording at one point and then it started recording. So it's like, it would be funny if you got to this very part to end the recording and then it was just nothing there. She'd be like, I already said what I was going to say, not going to repeat it. So, nope, nope. That's gleefully, gleefully, Sarah will ignore people's complaints about Sarah's complaints about Harrow the Ninth. I will. So, alrighty. (laughs) 